Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the future of work podcast that goes beyond the traditional nine to five. I am Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. Hello, everyone. Welcome to part two of the compilation of the past 20 episodes. In part one, I shared clips from previous guests regarding job sharing, top sharing, and transferable business skills from unpaid care work. In this second part, I will talk about more flexible work, fathers in care, and last but certainly not least, support for professionals returning back to the paid workforce. Another form of flexible work is shorter work weeks. CEO Charlotte Lockhart of the four-day week explains how their methodology works. So we have a principle called the 180-100 rule. So I will pay you 100% of what you're earning now. I want you to work 80% of the time that you are working now, as long as you give me 100% of the productivity that you are doing now. Going back to the recent German article that I mentioned in part one, it had suggested that more fathers should work part-time or flexible, which I wholeheartedly agree with. My research over the past two and a half years made me realize that while flexible work is extremely important to allow for work-life balance, if it is solely used by mothers with young children, then we are right back at the mummy track. It will then not enable more women to rise up the business ranks and it will not be perceived as an alternative work method usable by anyone. This is why I include in my podcast interviews with men who are particularly focused on raising awareness about fathers, career, care work and flexible work. So far, I have talked to three male professionals in England. Dan Reed decided to create a father network for career dads. Here he shares its beginnings. So a long story short is I, I put a video out on, on LinkedIn been very active on LinkedIn for a number of years and, and just said, look, I, I, these two words are floating around in my head, career and dad. Does this mean, if I say career dad, does it mean anything to anyone? And I was just inundated with, with dads saying, yes, you don't need to explain more. I understand what you're saying. You know, we can talk about guilt. We can talk about anxieties. We can talk around mentorship and career development and you know being stressed and all of this stuff all in one package john adams is a stay-at-home work flexibly from home dad and blogs about his experience as an official linkedin change maker for this year he's focused on flexible work and here he describes why i couldn't get the flexibility i wanted from the workforce and i walked from the workforce and he shared the statistics showing that his previous employer wasn't the only one missing out on talent because of lack of flexibility. An interview really with the 2000 fathers. A third of the guys interviewed had left their job within a year of becoming a father because they couldn't get the flexibility they wanted. And a 
further third were looking for another job. As John just mentioned, it is not only the female professionals who would like to work more flexible hours. John wrote a recent LinkedIn article explaining why for a male professional trying to find flexible work, that is sometimes even harder because of the current mindset that it is typically more female professionals who are looking for flexible work. I will put the link to the article in the show notes. Last but certainly not least, my third male guest from England is Ian Dinwiddie, founder of Inspiring Dads, who coaches stressed dads to balance work and fatherhood. Here he shares why he feels that flexible work can create more gender equality. Yeah, it was um, it was something. It was a graphic that I put together for a presentation a couple of probably a year and a half ago now and I was trying to kind of trying to explain in a sort of simple sort of visual view as to the importance of flexible working and extended parental leave in particular in terms of gender equality because I think you know I my, my specialism is coaching working dads and in particular paternity return to work so men who have taken extended leave or men who perhaps are feeling the pressure of their their work and home life and 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 it's a bit out of kilter and working with those those men um but that's fine it's but it's kind of in a, it's in a little bit of a vacuum it's kind of for a lot of businesses a lot of hr professionals it's nice to have however the thing that's on the agenda is you know is the, is the whole diversity inclusion piece and gender pay gap and gender equality as a as a part of that um, and what i wanted to understand what i wanted to demonstrate was this idea that if you had two candidates for a job and they were both say I don't know, 30 years old and there was a man and a woman and they uh, and they both were highly qualified they both have mbas they both on paper were equally um qualified for this this important new role that has been advertised and you were maybe you're down to the final two um for an interview process if you were to look at those candidates and say actually i have no idea which of these two candidates is going to want to take six months of parental leave because that's what we offer in this business or is going to want to take flex is once going to work flexibly or maybe work four days a week at some stage in the next four or five years you know you're imagining you know imagine they're at the time of their life where they might might be married might not be anyway they're at a similar time of their life if you can't tell who might take leave or who might want to work flexibly then you can't apply any sort of unconscious bias and downgrade the opportunity that the woman might have in that in that position if you know that those two candidates the man will only take might if they have a child will only take two weeks off and the woman can take up to six months off you might treat them differently if you have a business where there's a culture that men do not work flexibly they don't work remotely that's something for mums then you are almost certainly going to apply some kind of unconscious bias and the opportunity for that candidate female candidate is going to be just that little bit lower than the opportunity for the male candidate and the man might be seen as a better bet for that uh, for that position but if you can equalize it then you change the dynamics of of the gender sort of equation within businesses themselves i think rob sturick out of australia has written the book man raises boy where he shares a lot of statistics and research 
as well as his personal experience. One of the statistics is about the importance of having more paternal leave available, which Australia still lacks. Australia really lags seriously behind um, in the paid parental leave stakes. Uh, we're about second last in the OECD in terms of government paid parental leave. We're only ahead of America. America essentially doesn't have paid parental leave by the government, so not, not, not great. Uh, it's very employer-led here still. Um, and that's what look. That's how it's going to be probably for the for the foreseeable future. So, for employers out there, I think having a generous, um, supportive paid parental leave package where it is gender neutral, uh, where dads as well as mums can access it, where they can take it flexibly, um, and where you remove arbitrary distinctions between primary or secondary carers or mums and dads is a fantastic starting point. Because um, getting back to what we were talking about a bit earlier, you know. There can still be a reluctance for dads to speak up, to want to take leave, for, for fear about their career or fear they're not going to be good carers. If, they're, if there are supportive systems at place in a workplace, it'll really help bring men out of the woodwork. And we've seen that in a few companies in Australia where they had very low rates of men taking paper and a leave. But when they changed the policy and made it gender neutral and made it clear that they were speaking to dads and mums and there's no discrimination or no penalty if a dad takes it, um, they saw significant jump ups. There's a private health insurance company here called Medibank Private. Um, and they're, they're an example I use a lot because they had about two or 3% of men taking paid parental leave. They completely overhauled their paid parental leave programs and made them gender neutral, much more generous. You could take it flexibly over several years. They did, they did the whole lot. And suddenly their um, rates of take up by men jumped from about two or 3% to 21% in 12 months. So yeah, and it's still going up. So that's that's it's it's a great um, proof point that if you, you design those policies in the in a gender neutral way, you're going to attract men, and that'll allow men to feel they're supported at work. It'll allow them to have time at home without the stress that they're somehow damaging their career or they're missing out at the workplace. I think that's a big one. In Australia too, we still see a lot of arbitrary um, detail within these policies that don't make a lot of sense anymore. For instance. Uh, a policy may say that a dad must take parental leave within the first 12 months of their child's life. Well, why? Why just 12 months? Why not the first two years, three years, five years? Like, why just 12 months? Um, there's often written into policies that the mum and the dad cannot be on leave at the same time. So why? Again, why does one have to be working one at home? If, if they both have supportive employers and they are both offering parental leave packages, why... Do you have to have that arbitrary distinction? Like, and some of those things you can remove quite easily. And there's no budget impact to the company or the employer. If you just say you can take it over three years instead of 12 months, or yes, your wife can be home with you or your partner can be home with you as well as you, nothing changes at the workplace. It's just you're giving families a bit more flexibility and freedom of how they use that caring time. Um, and so I think that's a really big one. I think also to your point about sort of mums and dads groups, yeah, actually having uh, a place, a safe place where dads can share stories and, and experiences and that, that sort of peer-to-peer -peer support, I think is a huge one. Uh, I even see that at work too. Um, you know, I, I sort of have this sort of informal sort of dads club when we meet, you know, when we can, and we just talk about our experiences. And we also share our experiences of trying to access the leave policies at work. 
Um, and sometimes they're very manage, manager driven. Some people have much more supportive experiences than others. So, but to be able to show dads that they're not alone, that there are lots of dads out there that would like to take leave, that are trying to do that same juggle of being involved at home and being a productive worker, I think that'll help dads feel like, okay, I'm actually not in this alone. Like there is this support out there. It's not just speaking to the mums in the organization, speaking to me too. Um, and I think that's a really positive thing. So that's, that for me is the, the next step forward I'd like to see. Um, Uh, workplaces take bringing this all together if we can have more flexible work for anyone unpaid care work more equally shared and transferable business skills from care work acknowledged it will facilitate anyone returning to paid work after a long absence currently returners still need support and so i spoke with professor beatrix dart who runs the Back to Work program at the Rotman School at the University of Toronto. Uh, women will step out certainly in much, much larger numbers than men from a career. And often women have had you know, great expe- expectation to be ready to step back in when they feel ready. Uh, in many cases, they will have had perhaps a university or a college degree. Um, they have had work experience. But when they try to re-enter the workforce after, let's say, four, six, eight, in some cases, 10 or 12 years away from the workforce, it is really challenging. And it is more challenging than anybody assumes. And I think there are two elements to that. One is the confidence level has eroded. You just don't believe in yourself as much anymore. And you wonder, who would want to hire me and why? What is it that I actually still have to offer to the workplace and, you know, who will take a chance at me? And you also might feel maybe a bit guilty depending on your family situation. Well, now my kids will have to make their own lunches or they might not have mom at home when they come back from school or I won't be as supportive to my family for various reasons or I might not be able to do the elderly care as well as I could. There might be various personal circumstances as well that erode your, your confidence level and your, your ability to find a new job. The other aspect is more practical. It's the, you know, how do I even prepare for a job interview these days? Um, I don't know what to ask for and how do I find a job? Like uh, my professional network has completely lapsed. I might have great friends who I might meet for coffee or tea or a glass of wine, but I don't have that professional network anymore as I used to. How do I even go about starting all that up? So that's where the back to work program comes in. So it's really, it's a highly specialized learning program for women who who are returning to the labor market after an extended period of absence. So, and it's practical stuff we're talking about. So we are talking about practical insights on hiring practices or what what leadership is currently looking like or how digital marketing works, but um, also trying to increase the confidence and the resiliency. So we bring in experts, um, we have senior executives, but most importantly, we also have lots of partnerships with companies because in the end, you you need to have a company who says, wow, I want to hire this woman. That is amazing. I can't wait to bring her in, into our workforce, right? So, and it's, it's interesting because quite frankly, there is now a gap 
in, in certainly in corporate Canada, I, I don't know as much currently in, in Europe and with COVID, everything has moved a bit, but there's currently, there certainly is a gap to bring these two groups together, the industry and the talent. Like there's a war for talent. Everybody wants the talented people and they want talent from diverse backgrounds. Yes, I want to find women in technology. How do I find them? So we can bring that together. We, we can bring these amazing women who have been um, sort of, I call them polished up a bit through the program, who have gained their confidence again, who know how to negotiate for their job, who know what they want, who can bring forward their best self. We can bring those to the table. And that's what makes this program so exciting. So I've been um, offering it now since 2010. Uh, for example, our last cohort from last year you know, over 70% of the participants are currently employed um, after this program, right? So it has great success stories behind it. And we are lucky. We have wonderful corporate partners who are willing to work with us. Julian Miles, MBE, Chartered Psychologist, created Women Returners in England. And she shared how returnships and supported hiring work to support professionals who want to return. Yeah, so I'll, I'll explain the difference between the two. So the returnship was a concept that was actually developed in the US in around about 2008 by Goldman Sachs, um, and but hadn't come over to the UK when we started Women Returners in, in 2014. Um, and, and what it is, is it is a higher level paid professional internship. So it effectively, effectively operates like a, a, a um, short-term fixed-term contract typically three to six months, where the returner comes in, they are very importantly doing a professional job, using their skills and experience, and they're receiving a wrapper of support alongside, ideally with coaching, mentoring, training. So the idea is that there is a very strong likelihood at the permanent, of a permanent role at the end of this placement if it works for both sides. It isn't just a standalone contract, it's important to say that, the expectation on both sides is there will be an ongoing role if it works for both sides. So that's a returnship. Uh, and actually, that has been the most popular form of returner program within the UK. Um, but as we started to work with organisations on returnships, we realised that for, it wasn't suitable for some organisations. They, they actually, these businesses wanted to bring people directly into permanent roles, into you know what they call BAU roles. It's like business as usual roles. So we developed, and actually I can take credit for the term supported hiring, developed the concept of um, supported hiring to say, and this is bringing in returners still in a supported way, but actually directly into permanent roles. So the concept of supported hiring is, is you come into an organization and if you've had an extended career break and you're joining into this one of these BAU roles, then you receive the same sort of support, the same wrapper of coaching support as you would if you were coming in on a returnship. Thank you very much for listening to this special episode. I hope it provided you with an overview of the topics my guests and I talk about. Next, we will be back to our regular type of episode with Alex Su-Yang Kim Peng, who will be talking about his book Shorter and all the research he has done about working shorter hours. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes 
or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.